הרי נמיקה שרצמי לכל הצדיקים האמיתים שבדורנו ולכל הצדיקים האמיתים שוכני עפר קדוש ומשה בארץ המה. ובפחד לרבנו הקדוש, צדיק יסוד עולם נחם, לא גם בכל חוכמה רבנו נחמן ופגם את שמחה. נע נח נחמן נחמן מאומן זכותו תגן עלינו ועל כל ישראל אמן. So ברוך השם. Today we hop in the third section of Seif Chaf of Shiv Chayran. After we had just discussed in the last podcast how Rabbenu and his attendant find themselves in a very dangerous situation in which the city of Akko is about to be invaded by the French troops and they have two hours to flee the city. And as Rabbenu's attendant enters the house, he immediately falls unconscious while Rabbeinu is praying with Talit and Tfilin, so he has no idea that his attendant even entered. And uh, this is what happened. And as Rabbeinu was hearing this uproar in this great city, in the city of Akko, this awesome uproar, Rabbeinu fled from there to the sea. And he didn't pay attention at all to the man who was with him because he didn't even know he was home. And the man was unconscious, as Rabbeinu had no idea. Afterward, the man woke up, and immediately he sees Rabbeinu was not in the house. And he had waited as long as he could. And afterward, he went out to the courtyard. He sees and he hears that many people, men, women, children are screaming and crying with tremendous bitterness. So much were the cries, so much the cries were bitter. That uh, the cries ascended up to the heavens of uh, the cries of the city ascended up to the heavens. The cries went all the way up to the Shamaim. And the host's wife, uh, the host of the, the place in which uh, Rabbanu and his attendant were staying at, when she saw Rabbanu's attendant standing in the courtyard, she came to him and told him, Oy vavoy, Pity on your youth. That you will be killed over here. We at least had some good over here. We too need to accept that which was, which was the decreed upon this place, upon the city. But upon you, all the more pity. All the more pity on you guys. Because now you'll be lost to your family forever. And she kept on going with words like this. The man obviously has no idea what's happening. The man had so much fear and he was trembling so very much that he could not even move a finger of his. And he mustered up the strength to ask the hostess about Rabenu. And she responded, It seems to me that he fled to the sea. Immediately his first intention was when he heard this was to take the chest with all their money and all their belongings. Because Rabbeinu himself fled to the sea without any of his things. Without any single thing. And the man himself, the attendant, could not carry the chest alone. It was too heavy. 
והזמינו השם יתברך, והזמינו השם איזה פרנק ונתן לו הטבה עם החפצים וברך עם עולי ים. על רבנו, סורי, על השם יתברך, סנט, with his awesome compassion, he sent the attendant of רבנו, a Sephardic Jew, and he and the Sephardic Jew both held the chest, and they began to flee to the sea together. And because of the great confusion that was taking place in the city, to the point where literally one troop was holding a knife against his, uh, another person. There was literally troops waiting, holding knives to kill anybody in which they wanted, a person who was in their way. There was literally no possible way to walk in the city. It was so crowded. But with God's compassion, God arranged something awesome. He arranged a method, something amazing. That at the moment in which this Sephardic Jew and the attendant of Rabbeinu were traveling throughout the city, Turkish soldiers were standing upon on top of the on top of a wall. And they began to announce good news. They were announcing that they had a good report. And many people gathered across the wall. Standing next to the wall to hear the report. Because of this, the man and the uh, Jew had a free passage to go to the sea. Now there was space for them to go. And as the man arrives at the sea, he sees many boats, many ships. He cannot see Rabbeinu, he cannot find him. And as he's searching and seeking out with a very deep search to try to find Rabenu, he's searching and searching until he comes across Rabenu who's sitting upon a boat. And the boat is filled with Turkish people. And Rabenu was sitting in the middle. And Rabenu meets with his attendant for the first time after this entire. Uh, confusing episode as they join together and as they unite there was tremendous joy between them because at the beginning there was tremendous anguish and pain uh, each and every one of them was feeling tremendous pain because of the fact that they did not know what happened to the, to the next person and as this, they're happy together they're sitting on this tiny boat, this small boat, which is called a Barkes in Yiddish. And as they're sitting on the small boat, the small boat sails upon the sea until it arrives to an even larger, large cruiser, a larger boat. Which was standing in, upon the which was standing at the port next to Haifa. And they saw that this, the boat was surrounded by cannons. Looked like this boat was filled with weapons. And they thought of this as something confusing. They thought of this as something wondrous, something shocking. But they thought to themselves, they thought to themselves that because it's a time of war, they thought that even though it's, it's a Turkish merchant ship, that because it's a time of war, that even the merchant ships are traveling with cannons just for safety. And the truth was, the truth is this was not a Turkish merchant ship. They boarded a warship, a Turkish warship, 
with soldiers and with weapons. And it's certain that it's a tremendous peril and intense danger to join these people on this boat. Specifically with Turkish soldiers, which are savage people. And specifically to sail with them upon the sea. And as Rabenu was traveling from Akko to the city, sorry, to the sea, to get to the ship, as he was fleeing, because of the great noise, Rabenu didn't have the intention, he didn't enter the boat in which he had rented and in which he had bought a passageway on. Rabenu didn't think of this. It was too quick and too dangerous. He just entered the first ship which he thought was a merchant ship. Because he had no idea where that boat was. And as the confusion was rising, Rabenu entered this boat. Rabenu had no idea that it was a warship. And this is something very significant as we see that Rabenu's stories are very unique. We never really see tremendous miracles. A lot of the stuff is happening under the wraps with Hashem's Hashkacha, with Hashem's divine providence. But we don't see outright miracles. We know Rabenu has tremendous wisdom that Rabenu, Rabenu says in Sikhot Aran that I have the gift, the ability that the second a person walks in the room, the second I shake his hand, I know his history from his first incarnation since the beginning of time. I can tell you exactly how he was reincarnated since the beginning of Adam HaRishon. That's to every single person that walks into the room Rabenu meets with. It's an incredible thing that Rabenu can literally do the most awesome things. He has the biggest ability, Ruach HaKodesh, this almost prophecy. To be able to see people and to know what's happening. To know the deeper level of what's happening here. But when things are happening in real time, Rabenu never really engage in miracles. And we see that Rabenu says, in Sikhot Aran, in, uh, specifically in Chaim Oran, Rabenu says, that Rabbi, uh, he says about himself that I'm forbidden to do miracles. The Bar Shem Tov had free way. He had carte blanche, what we say. He had a, an ability, he had a complete permission to do miracles whenever he wanted. But Rabbeinu was a unique figure. He did not want to do miracles. In fact, he was not allowed to do miracles. Rabbeinu says that Hashem did not give me a, the ability to do miracles. And Rabbi Natan says that Rabbeinu prayed that all his miracles that he did, even the small ones, were forgotten. We know very few miracles Rabbeinu did. Look in Korbeo for some of the miracles. A few, a few throughout Chaim Oran, very, very few. Because that's not the intention Rabban was trying to instill within his students, within the world. Rabban said, the main thing is Yirat Shamayim, the main thing is Emunah, faith. The main thing is faith. And therefore, we cannot rely on miracles. We have to rely on Hashem's faith. Even when things are tough, even when we don't see the miracle, every single thing Hashem Ibar does is a miracle. And Rabban said, I want to instill in the furthest Jew the biggest faith. I do not want to instill miracles. I want to instill faith. And Rabban already said this. So, Baruch Hashem, we see here, even though Rabban had a tremendous ability to see things at a spiritual, with a spiritual lens, we see that uh, Rabban's prophecy kind of stops at some point. Almost to say, Rabbeinu had no idea which boat he was entering. He was entering an even more dangerous boat. We see the Bar Shem Tov were to do this, he would, uh, he would have entered the proper boat because we know that uh, the Bar Shem Tov had, a, had an ability to do miracles and to do things. With Rabbeinu, things were, were very different. And it's to come to show us that when we're placed in positions like this, we don't need miracles to be saved from Hashem Yitbarach. 
We need to rely on prayer and we need to scream out from the belly of hell. This is the main thing of prayer. As Rabbanu says, the main inyan of tila, the main subject of prayer, the main essence of prayer is to pray as if you're in the belly of hell. As if you're in the lowest place. That's what Rabbanu says the main aspect of prayer is. That's what God really wants. And this is the lesson that we learn from here. That even the biggest tzaddik in the history of the Jewish people, who's supposed to have the biggest prophecy, somehow it stops. And he's forced to rely simply on prayer. As we're going to see as the story goes on. Bezrat Hashem.